0: W meeting.
1: Welcome to Feminist Buzzkills Live. It is Trans Day of Visibility, and so we're going to celebrate the universal discomfort that all genders feel when a doctor says, scoot down, scoot down, scoot down. <laughs> I'm Liz Winstead, and with me are my fellow Buzzkills and co-conspirators, Moji Dale. Hello. And Marie
0: Kahn. Hello, everyone. Coming up on the show, we are going to honor Trans Day of Visibility by centering what reproductive care and abortion care looks like and
2: should look like for trans folks. And joining us to do that is Aspen Rulin, client and community advocate at the Mabel Wadsworth Center in Bangor, Maine.
1: Plus the hilarious Jay McBride steps by to talk about how trans representation matters in comedy and entertainment. But first, we have some breaking news we have to get to. Y'all, The FBI has removed huge biohazard bags and and coolers containing fetuses from the DC home of anti-abortion extremist and world's creepiest hoarder, Lauren Handy, who was one of the nine anti-abortion clinic invaders arrested this week by the FBI. Handy and the eight others arrested have been part of the Red Rose Rescue, a group that has been specializing in violence against clinics for years, specifically invading them, chaining themselves to waiting room chairs and terrifying patients. If this was a movie pitch, it would be like, it's like wedding crashers, but make it about terrorizing abortion patients. Handy is part of a pro-life, pro-life feminist organization and participates in these invasions with other members of some sort of Christian terrorist Greek system that has frats with names like survivors of the abortion Holocaust and the army of God. Hmm, who's the Army of God, you ask? Well, the Army of God is an organization whose foundations are the belief that murdering abortion providers is justifiable homicide in the eyes of their shitty, shitty lord and several of their associates with the January 6th insurrection. Because, bro, like. But this biohazard piece is very alarming. This movement has a history of just finding fetuses and holding press conferences about it or presenting it on the altar of a mass, as one priest actually did. Or there was one politician who claimed a dog found a fetus in a dumpster behind a clinic and delivered it to the owner. Dog owners everywhere, like mine, were like, "Um, if a dog was in a dumpster and found it, the dog would eat it. You lying sack of cheese rot. There is no way a dog is transferring that home in their mouth carefully. But this pattern is all pro- is all projection. Everything they accuse clinics of doing, they're doing. This is not some sort of pro-life expose of abortion providers. It's a macabre fetish that violates laws, harm patients, and endangers people's health. So again, the question. Why do non-medical people have these fetuses? Where are they coming from? Is there some kind of free site on Facebook For psychos, it's like gifting fetal remains have been in a pet-free, smoke-free home. I don't think so. Seriously though, why are only these crackpots always finding fetuses? And if they found them, why are they never reporting it to the authorities? So to answer these questions with us and ponder this whole thing, is our Director of Security at AAF, Kat Green. Kat! Hey. (laughs) Did I did I did I hit the
3: overview of insanity? You got the hits. Yeah, it's um it's a gruesome situation, and it's exactly what they always accuse abortion providers of doing. You know, harvesting baby parts. But um here we are. So, Kat, you have been I know here we are.
1: So you have been tracking um this organization called Red Rose Rescue. You have been tracking the organizations that have been working with them. Lay out for folks um, what they do and what their sort of mission is around these clinic invasions.
3: Sure. So, Red Rose Rescue uh, is a number of folks that have been invading clinics with red roses, handing them out to patients, and refusing to leave the area of the clinic. Uh, in order to intimidate patients into, well, also shutting down the clinic effectively, because for safety purposes, they need to lock out the clinic, evacuate any patients that are there, evacuate staff. So um, this is terrorism. And Lauren Handy has worked with Red Rose Rescue in the past and now uh, works with an organization called PAAU, Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, um, that uh, claim to be pro-life feminists uh and they're taking on a lot of the red rose tactics they are uh doing pink rose rescues and being much more aggressive in terms of just going into medical facilities invading hospitals invading research facilities and um and so that's where we get to the question of where did these fetuses come from who did they sell them or pay for them or we don't know
1: well and i think the thing about this is that whenever they say you know we've had access it's always like they got a camera to look through a place where maybe um you know products of conception are stored and or so for me i feel like it's very nefarious because the story we never talk about this stuff right but the truth be told we know the scrutiny that abortion providers are under. We also know how medical facilities have to stay open when it comes to, um, disposing of medical waste and products of conception after an abortion is medical waste. You have to sterilize it. A company comes, takes it away. It goes away. And that's what happens. No clinic is like, I'm going to throw out my Chipotle and then, you know, the day's procedures, because why would, because you can't, you would be shut down. So I guess I just feel like we have laws now that have fetal fetal barrier and cremation, um, you know, in states. Are the people running those, like giving them to people? Like, how are they getting this stuff?
3: Well, also, I mean, it's it's part of a history of anti-abortion people misusing fetal remains, getting them through back channels and using them for propaganda. And um, I mean, Frank Pavone did it. He had a fetus on an altar in some ceremony to Trump back in like 2016. And And he's the head of Priests for Life. For those of you who don't know who Frank Pavone is, Priests for Life. Right, uh, members of Red Rose Rescue have bragged about stealing many fetal remains over the years, and Monica Miller just recently put up a bunch of videos on YouTube of remains she had gotten last July from God knows where. So but there's that's a lot. Of... God knows where. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, we know it's not a dumpster, right? So they make up stories about getting fetuses out of a dumpster, or a dog brought it to them, or you know, but. We know that's not true. So the unfortunate reality is, somebody in the chain with access to these things—if it's at a facility that's being dis- where things are being disposed of, if it's a transfer facility, if it's somebody at a hospital where there is a research facility—somebody is helping these people.
1: This is the cops that you're looking at right now taking it out of Lauren Handy's home, and I think that even in when a we see in a cooler and in a hazmat bag, and and I and I want to say too if there has been instances of finding fetuses in dumpsters, I'm sure they acquired the fetuses from someplace else and then placed them in the dumpster of a clinic to say they found them in a dumpster because it's, it's ludicrous to, to even think that is so. And so getting ahead of this story before they do, because clearly if this one person, Lauren Handy has, uh, acquired fetuses from some back channel of anti-abortion medical places, whether it's anti-abortion researchers or whoever. She's not the only person that has these. She's oh, not, absolutely right?
3: Absolutely not. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where people have, have gotten these images to put on the giant posters that you see out in front of places. But the other thing that I'm concerned about is I'm worried that that the anti-abortion movement is going to paint Lauren Handy as an outlier. Uh, because they moved into an organization that claimed to be more progressive, because they have, you know, just been sort of a, a little bit different than the normal people that work in the anti abortion movement. But Lauren is exceptionally well connected. I don't want anybody to get away with saying that they're an outlier because Lauren's worked with Red Rose Rescue. Lauren, this arrest this week with the federal case there was a member a former member of army of god there you know they've worked with this PAAU group they've worked with survivors of the abortion holocaust they've participated in at least 12 acts of violence against clinics in the last three years and so it's it's a pattern and this is part of it and somebody is paying for them to travel all over the country and harass people
1: yeah and who is that because they travel in sometimes very large packs you know they have to be very well organized and so it really feels like questions that i would love media who have more resources than us to be asking is how are these people funded how is it that it took this long for the fbi to finally arrest them when they have done several of these breaking face violations breaking a lot of violations um, of of privacy in in your in a medical facility and also where are they getting these fetuses because the clinics live in the light i have to tell you and we have to go and i hate that but we have been to so many clinics abortion access front has toured and seen how they actually go through a procedure and what that looks like in over 75 clinics and none of this has any truth in reality so um, we did a big Twitter thread, do that, but if you, we're going to be following the story, make sure you follow us um, as 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 we go further and further um, down this path. And demand that the media covers it, because this is really important. Kat, thank you for actually following the story. You saw it for us, you flagged it this morning, we were the first ones on it, so um, thank you, ma'am. Thanks so much. We'll be talking more about it. and. We have more news. Kat Green, she is our security guru. More news, we're taking it over to Marie. Marie,
0: what else happened this week? So I am bringing you some really good news from the world of medication abortion. Researchers have assessed the needs and desires of abortion seekers, pregnant people, over the course of a six month timeframe across six different states. And you know what they found? People overwhelmingly want over-the-counter access to the abortion pill. They wanna walk up to a drugstore aisle and grab it. They wanna have a spare in their medicine cabinet. They want privacy and easy access. And research on abortion pill safety and efficacy resoundingly supports that right. Telemedicine is enabling more attention to novel ways to deliver medication, like ordering Viagra through the mail hasn't been happening since 2013. The World Health Organization even endorses the private home use of the abortion pill for pregnancies of 10 weeks or less. A major goal of making a drug over the counter is to enable distribution to those unable to seek a doctor. And what is also equally important in a world of script-free misoprostol is insurance coverage and funding. Right now, a medication abortion visit averages around $525. The pills themselves cost pennies to make, but of course, it wouldn't be America without a big pharmaceutical monopoly, grotesque and overregulation by Uncle Sam, and the pervading backbone of racism in healthcare. Access like this would put autonomy into the hands of so many people and would reaffirm what we know, that the abortion pill does not require a doctor, you don't need to be at a medical facility, and that abortion is essential. So hopefully, hopefully this is something in the future we can look towards over-the-counter abortion pill access.
2: I mean, also Marie, we know in our research that <clears throat> abortion pill over-regulation has kept us from finding out like all the additional benefits of this medications, right? There's thoughts that some cancers and fibroids can be treated with MIF- MIFI, but the research is being held back by all of this gatekeeping. So yeah, we want yeah. that exactly. now. Exactly. Also-
0: I mean, it's just, Andy, Andy, go ahead, Marie. I was just gonna mention, we talked to how the abortion pill's safer than Tylenol, safer than cough syrup, and this pill already accounts for almost 40% of all abortions in the US. So like, Liz and I wanna go to our Kroger. We wanna go to our, our United Farmers grocery store pharmacy and be able to pick this up, Liz. I want
1: yeah. that too, well, I want that too. Of course, but also to be able to pick it up for friend. You know to have it on hand and also there's just when you think about medical care and things that should be convenient in a world where gas is really expensive right now you know people who don't have caught people who don't have access to almost anything to be able to have access to this seems like i'm gonna dare i say the american way well I know. um, And, you know, having said that, Marie, it's just so frustrating that people are so wanting it and not happening. And I and I'm, emojis going back to Texas, um, kicking and screaming, um, because it feels like whatever America wants, Texas is like,
2: nah, nah, Texas. Listen, ladies, I'm sick of talking about Texas and their fuck shit. But here I go again. Seriously, the minute you look at bullshit in other states and i'm looking at you florida i'm looking at you missouri i'm looking at you arizona and kentucky but i'm not looking at you maryland because maryland you're doing great you're doing great but the minute you look anywhere else texas has to jump up and down like an annoying middle child and yell me 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 about some newly dreamt up insanity so like Politicians in a deeply conservative Texas region were recently debating a bill that would make people who've had abortions and the doctors who provide them open to assault or homicide charges, which, if it goes through, would make abortion a capital offense, which, in case you aren't aware, capital offense uh, carries the potential for capital punishment, which is the death penalty. So like, I'm so confused, I do not understand how these people get to get away with calling themselves pro-life when they wanna kill people over healthcare decisions. Like, how do you value a fetus or an embryo or a zygote more than a living, breathing person with hopes and dreams? Is it because those hopes and dreams don't involve you running the world? Probably. (laughs) Seriously, like, no, seriously, fuck this shit. Texans, come get your legislators, you can do better. We all deserve better.
0: Dude. Moji, you, Texas, Texas is striking me as the really destructive, dumb, drunk kid at the house party. Who's like, fuck keg stands. I'm going to start a fire. But you know, in this context though, it's literally let's execute our, our state residents for having an abortion in a state that also on the reg as per, as per our graphic. This this was easy. This was easy to find folks. Texas kills people regularly and for 211 days has forced pregnant folks to leave their state for care. So this is no idle threat. This is not a drill.
2: Oh, no, Texas is not fuck around about fucking around. No, 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 they're seriously fucking around.
1: No, it is just you know, I think they really take this everything's bigger in Texas thing really too far. You know, when your assholes are so huge that they have their own like solar system (laughs) i think that at some point there's just going to be an asshole gravitational pull that sucks us all in um i feel like that's where we're heading um but and you know and not to mention um the cruelty towards trans folks and as we talk about trans day of visibility and the cruelty of texas that cannot go without saying that you can't even raise your children in a really healthy way and honor your child who who they are um they want to punish you for that uh so i think that today on trans day of visibility we have the perfect guest to talk about all that and so i'm going to turn it over to moji and marie to
2: kick off with some joy we are so excited to introduce Aspen Rulin, client and community advocate at the Mabel Wadsworth Center in Bangor, Maine, and they're on the steering committee of Maine Transnet. Aspen, thank you for joining us. The Mabel Wadsworth Center provides vital abortion services and gender-affirming hormone therapy and many other forms of health care for people of all genders in Maine what are the ways that you help people as a client and community advocate?
4: So what do I do? I do a few different things. Big surprise, nonprofit world, I wear a lot of hats. Uh, so as a client advocate, I directly work with a bunch of our clients, helping them overcome barriers, you know, with navigating healthcare. Most often that means working with members of the trans community and helping them access things like gender affirming surgeries, which have a lot of, we'll call them fun hoops to jump through largely from insurance companies. Um, so a lot of my job is bullying insurance companies into paying for gender affirming surgeries. Uh, I also do a lot of community engagement work. Like we have a we have our own podcast called Reproductive Left. I do a lot of presentations. I'm actually getting ready for a queer sex ed 201 at a conference next week. And unsurprisingly, a lot of the education work that I do is focused on the intersection of abortion care and trans health, uh, both the fact that trans people have abortions, and the fact that both abortion care and trans health care are really good examples of bodily autonomy. Um, Other things that I do is I actually get to help clean um, on the day that we do abortion clinic and it feels really good to get to be a part of that work and have a kind of like direct influence, even if I'm a bit more behind the scenes and don't really work directly with patients in that context.
0: Thank you all so right, much you for that, that yes, I am here. Aspen That wow, you all accomplish so much and provide so much lo- loving, wonderful care and support. Um, Thank I wanted you. to hone down and in particular talk about, especially today in honor of transgender day of visibility, which is an international day dedicated to recognizing the resilience and accomplishments of the transgender community. And in particular, you talked about abortion. Um, And on this day, we not only wanted to celebrate trans folks among us and raise awareness also to the challenges they face. And I'm wondering, um, in your experience working in this amazing community and your roles, if you can speak to some of those issues, those issues, those challenges in particular, um, and the things we can do to support and uplift trans and gender diverse folks.
4: Yeah, I would say. You know unsurprisingly where those challenges come from are just really rooted in transphobia which of course is a product of a lot of things including white supremacy um and just you know heterosexism cis-sexism those are all things that kind of like work together to make transphobia a really common thing in our culture um so with that you know things that we can do i think one of the easiest i consider it easy and one of the most important things is to challenge any instance of transphobia that you see even if it's something that's covert even if it's something that's a joke, um, you know, don't let it stand. And that's whether we're talking about like a friend and a family member or like a colleague of yours that is openly discriminating against a patient or a client of theirs. Um, I frequently, literally just today, talk to a patient who the provider they had been seeing, not at our office, somewhere else, uh, denied them a referral for gender affirming care because they didn't think it was medically necessary, which is illegal in Maine. It's anti-trans discrimination. So challenge those things. Uh, Show up for trans people, not just today and not just on Trans Day of Remembrance, but every day. So that is calling out transphobia. That is uh you know showing up for events so there's organizations like um tear it up that you know has a lot of actions planned um giving your time giving your money to trans organizations and also you know just trans people buy your trans friends coffee especially if you're hearing about a lot of transphobia in the news do something nice for them but more seriously you know uh supporting organizations that are doing the work especially smaller, more locally based organizations, like I, you know, there are a ton of national organizations that do really good work, but because they're national, they get more attention and they get more funding. Whereas you have smaller orgs like Maine Transnet, who I'm on the steering committee for that they do so much direct work, but because they're smaller, because they're specifically based in Maine, they often don't get as much attention. And yeah, you know, just really asking yourself, are you putting in the work? Are you trying? Um, Because I've, you know, known people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm a great trans ally. And they're treating ally like it's an identity. And it's like, what have you done for trans people? Like, what have you done? Um,
2: If you're just joining us, this is Feminist Buzzkills Live, and we are talking about Trans Day of Visibility with Aspen Rulin, client and community advocate at the Mabel-Wadsworth Center in Maine. Um, Aspen, what are the ways that you find joy in the work you're doing? I know you talked about enjoying Mm. cleaning the clinic, but just what are the other ways that you find true joy in your work?
4: It's funny because I really do find joy in doing the cleaning, both because I get to see my coworkers and it's like, I don't know, meditative. Um, But just, you know, getting to be in community, you know, the fact that I get to work with abortion care providers is so joyful, just like such good people to work with, including like the clinic assistants up to like, you know, front desk staff. It's so cool to get to be a part of that. Um, But then our clients as well, and, you know, that's for our abortion care patients, even though I tend to have less of a direct, like, working with them role. Um, But, you know, one thing that's really cool to me is the amount of work that I get to do with helping other trans folks get access to gender-affirming care and gender-affirming surgeries, because I have so many people who come to me and they assume that it's like, oh, this isn't covered. Like, oh, like, I'm not going to be able to get this. And then I'm like, hey, you get to have surgery and you have someone who gets to help you have it and gets to like guide you on the way. And it is so just fulfilling to get to do that. And like, especially because, you know, Maine is a small state, we don't have a lot of people. So a lot of the queer and trans people in the area, big surprise, are people I know. uh, So I get to help people who are people I already know and who I already care about. And that is just one of the most joyful things that I get to be a part of. Um, also like getting to work with organizations like Maine Transnet, it just feels really cool that I, you know, get to work for a very cool independent abortion provider at the intersection of abortion care and trans health and working with a very cool, like specifically trans advocacy org. It just, I don't know. It's funny. This is like the type of thing I dreamed about doing in college and was like, Oh, that doesn't exist though. Uh, so it's just very nice. It's very, obviously it's hard with the political landscape happening. It's it a little stressful, um, but being in the work helps.
0: That is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for including us, Aspen, for providing us this these tools for us, these action items um, for us to go forward and try to, like you said, you talked about allyship is not an identity. It's not a term you assign yourself. And And I'd really just like to thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. Coming up, we continue to uplift incredible trans voices with one of our favorite comedians on the planet, the amazing Jay McBride. But first, our AF team is made up of trans and non-binary folks who are always at the ready to stand up for bodily autonomy. So let's look at some of their work and then return live with comedian Jay McBride.
0: I'm not listening to music. I'm just trying to hear all the transphobic things that come out of people's mouths while they think I can't hear them.
5: What is that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Pretty familiar. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner. Love him. Wrong, pronoun. out. This is what I'm talking about. And look at this
2: couple over here.
0: I know what they're thinking. There are kids here.
2: What am I supposed to tell them?
0: What are you supposed to tell the kids? Why don't we go and ask some kids? Hey kids, what do you want to know
5: about me? Are you a boy
4: or a girl? I'm a boy. What pronoun do you prefer?
0: Male pronouns.
4: What's your favorite emoji?
0: I like the one that looks like crap. That's my favorite one. You know some candy? Uh, I don't take candy from strangers, but thank you. Those were the perfect questions and the perfect reactions.
5: How do
2: they poop? Out of his butt. Today's lesson, listen to the kids. This kid and this kid. And if you're still wondering, the best question to ask a trans person is, How you doing?
5: When we talk about abortion access, lots of things get oversimplified and misconstrued. Like, say, when anti-abortion politicians see a cell dividing and decide to give it the right to vote and buy guns and be buried at sea like an American hero. One of the ways we can be more inclusive when talking about abortion access is to say that people deserve safe and legal access to abortion and not just women. Saying women instead of people is like saying crackers should be covered in cheese when we all know it's all foods should be covered in cheese. Gearing our conversation towards only people who identify as women rather than anyone with a uterus excludes trans men and gender nonconforming people like me who also deserve a voice in the discussion of abortion access. But it doesn't just leave us out of the conversation, it also hinders our ability to receive thorough and compassionate medical care. We have to start talking about abortion access as a problem people face, not just women. The fight for abortion access is about bodily autonomy, and it would be hypocritical to leave out trans and non-binary folks. I mean, look at us. We're so cute. So cute. I have to say super cute. Uh, D-Lo and Alyssa, we love
1: you. Welcome back to Feminist Buzzkills Live, the show that conforms to very little. I'm not going to lie. Our next guest is a comedian who you have seen on Comedy Central and was the head writer right here at AAF, and soon will be out on the road touring with Amy Schumer. Please welcome our dear friend Jay McBride
6: ah thank you so much how are you how are you doing i'm I'm good i'm good
1: i'm in in la i am i am in the valley i am it's all good we miss you it's great but seeing your amazing crazy comediness going and taking off like gangbusters is really exciting and you know it's been it's been quite a year for women and men who don't like us very much whether we are (laughs) cis or trans or just live in the world um talk to me a little bit about what this year has been like for you because you have had phenomenal successes and also there's just been so much garbage laws that are just coming down the pike around women and trans folks like navigating it all
6: well well first of all uh, i just want to say thanks for reminding me to get rid of all my fetuses um you, oh, you know, right. it, it's you
1: like have to, I You've had that cooler forever in your house,
6: right? It's like I put them next to like the giblets you get from chicken carcasses, you know, yeah. in the freezer, and then you then you get rid of them all at one time. The same, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's good. fell good, good, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And by the way, wasn't that Red Rose Rescue? Didn't that one like that old like uh, that fossil tr- try and sue them for assault because she fell or something? Wasn't there someone like that? i believe that's
1: true and i believe that in one of our trips to dc that we actually um had a confrontation with lauren handy who is the the woman that got arrested i think that uh we were down there in her face and i believe you might have been dressed in a goose costume or a short (laughs) costume more to the point
6: (laughs) well that that could be any day um i Let's be honest. No, this year has been, been crazy. Last year, too. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been good, knock on wood. Uh, but, yeah, when you talk about the, the anti-trans bills, and it's it's clear that it's crystal clear the same people writing the anti-abortion laws are writing the anti-trans laws. Like, they almost cut and paste parts. Like, the whole bounty now that people are using, the whole, like, report your neighbors if you see something. Like, like all of these things. It's the same people doing the same bills, and it just... It's insane. It's, and every time there's, there's one of these, it, it's like they're not really, they're not going after adults. They're going after kids when they have these mm-hmm. trans bills. It's not like they're, they're not coming after me. Like, I'd like I, I love to see them try. I would love it. I would 100% love it. But they're going after ki- like kids, basically. And it's just, it's, it's infuriating and, you know, a lot, it's, it's easy to feel hopeless um, when you see all this happening. But, you know, it, it's fortunately there are great organizations out there. There are people doing a lot of things. And I think, you know, the one thing that we can say for sure is on our side, at least uh, history will be on our side. You just have to wait for it to get there. But
1: it's true. And I think, you know, I I look at stage oftentimes as a saving grace for me. You know, getting on stage and being able to have it be a place where, you get to set your own record and your own agenda and who you are. And I wondered if you had that same feeling about about comedy and like how it provides that place where you get to be your full
6: self. Um, I do and I don't, you know, I feel like I'm I'm not quite at that point where people are coming just to see me, you know? So usually I'm on a show with, with a bunch of other people and, and I still like, I, I still have to, uh, I can't go full bore. Like I, I was, I was in this doing doing a show in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere, and I tried to do a joke about how, you know, I, the start of the joke is how there've been 250 bills this year in the in the country so far, more than 250 bills against aimed at hurting trans people, and it was upstate New York, so somebody yelled good, and I'm like, oh, see, this isn't what I want. This isn't where I want to be, you know. But part of me is also like, you know what? screw you, I'm still going to talk about it, and I'm going to ram it down your throat. And and I feel like it's the more, I I love the fact that some of the things I, when I am on stage with people who aren't necessarily who you would consider allies, at the end of it, they laugh, and they think like, oh, I never, maybe I never thought about that. Maybe, maybe I need to listen to trans people more, you know, I, I mean, I come in contact with so many people who expect to see the the lowest form of comedy, and then afterwards they're like, "Oh, okay, now I know a trans person," you know, and, and that yes. trans person has is is human. You know, it's not it's not like like a trans person who has issues with their family, a trans just like a lot of people. You know, I can talk about living in the city like a lot of people, so it's that part of it's really it's really good. But 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 you know, every once in a while you get those pockets of <laughs> of crowds that just you know you really have to drag them to get to where you wanna be.
1: It's true, but you know, I, I'm such a firm believer that part of why comedy can be really important is if you can make somebody laugh, cause laughter is one of those things that it's like, you can't fake it. Like a genuine laugh means that they have a connection with you and they like you. And if they, if that happens, somebody can't deny that you brought them joy, right? And that's something that you get to know and that they have to unpack. And I believe that those kind of moments are are really like important. And so for folks like you and, and people to be on stage, to show like, get out there and do it because it, no one's inviting women or trans people or black and brown people on stage being like, we want you to have more time. We'd like you to actually <laughs> take over now and draw the agenda. So, you know, taking your own and placing yourself in the own visibility space. I'm so glad, well, I'm so, Lucky to know you and yeah. so happy you could pop on with us um, on this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That we're honoring, um, you know, folks who should be honored every day. So please come back and see us soon. And I can't wait to get you back out on the road with us as well. I know you're fancy going. on with can't wait. Schumer, But, you know, we're going to have you, too. We're grabbing you.
6: Awesome. Thanks Absolutely. Jay- will do. Thank Jay you so much.
1: I'd love to see you. Love to see it, Jay McBride. Look for Jay. Jay is a must see. On social media on twitter she is at j mcbride and on instagram she is at j mcbride so check her out and check out her dates on her website she's going out this summer with amy schumer y'all Woof! that's our show we kicked off to a little bit of a rocky start we were a little bit late but we pulled it back together how are you all doing so many teachable moments on this day marie what was your takeaway today
0: I am wondering if there's a buy nothing group on Facebook for fetuses. I've never checked.
2: <laughs> mm, I'm sure there is
0: one. I, I, there's gotta be. I saw, a, I literally
1: yesterday saw giving unopened jar of beets expired 2018. So my guess is maybe Ooh. those beets are, are not beets at all.
2: That um, is a very specific cake. Very specific thing. Yeah. I came with some poetry. I have some poetry. Oh, um, I like I it. Some poetry. Yes, hold on. Roses are red, violets are blue, Lauren Handy has bags of fetuses. Ew.
1: Very nice. I feel like that is that is a high cue. <laughs> if you will. Uh, and I really um am just like now firm in the fact that a pro-life feminist organization makes about as much sense as a pro cheeseburger vegan restaurant. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's where I'm going with that. Um, yeah. That's our show. We have to wrap it up, y'all. Again, big thanks to the wonderful Jay McBride who again, at Jay McBride on Twitter, at j McBride on Insta. And don't forget, Amy Schumer, Jay McBride, on the upcoming horror tour,
2: have fun, go and do it. And thanks to Aspen Rulin from the Mabel Wadsworth Center, check out Tear It Up, a decentralized network of passionate protesters for trans rights who aren't taking shit. You can sign up for all their action alerts at tearitup.org and follow them on social at tearitup.org. And during Lent, clinic violence
0: escalates needs arise and many clinics have reached out asking for assistance and products. Help ease their burden by joining our adopted clinic drive. All the info on how you can make a dis- difference is at our website, aafront.org resources.
1: And if you want to help your buzzkills out and support the programs and campaigns of Abortion Access Front, you can support our work at aafront.org donate. And remember, if you miss us live, you can always listen to the broadcast in pod form. This episode drops Sunday wherever you get your pod fix. So make sure you subscribe and give us five stars so we can feel loved
0: and get the word out about abortion access. And we are taking a break next week, but we'll return with a shiny new podcast featuring the hilarious Beth Stelling and abortion provider, Calla Hales, who's holding down some serious harassment in North Carolina.
2: And we close out the show with a woman who has never missed an opportunity to show her whole ass especially if it can make it harder for other women.
0: Take your kids out and pray in front of an abortion clinic. Um, there is an abortion clinic 30 minutes to an hour from almost every person within the sound of my voice on this podcast right now. Yeah. And um, you can make an effort even if it's once a month. That mm-hmm. is life changing for your family.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's something you can
3: do during the week when other people are in school learning everything contrary to what God has said is true. Yes. Um, and what a beautiful opportunity to be able to show your kids, look look at
2: the impact we can make. Some of this buzzkills live is a production of Abortion Access Front. Subscribe to our YouTube at aafront.org slash FBK
0: sub.